how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Okay, I'm just going to be honest with all of you right now. Oh my goodness. We recorded this episode yesterday, and we fully messed up the audio. So this is a re-recording. And I the just, episode was perfect. Borderline perfect. The borderline energy. Perfect. The jokes. Yeah, I don't know if it's just because we're looking back on it, and we, it's like the lost track, you know, that it's like we, have, we hold it to such a high standard. But I just want to be honest that although this is our episode of creator support, we as creators need all kinds of support. We need a lot of production support. So I just wanted to come out and come clean that this is a re-recording. And I want to say that Jesse, had he been here, yes, would have helped us out. That's true. And we should not have even pressed record without him in the room. It was, that's our mistake. When you and I are left to our own devices when it comes to production, yeah, we ruin everything. That is true. Well, unless we start a production company, then I revoke all those statements. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, welcome to another episode of Creator Support where we look... Nope. Okay, let me try that again. Say that again, Samir. We're still working on the tagline, but you get it. You ask us questions, we answer them. You can ask us these questions anywhere, including our Reddit community, r slash Colin and Samir. It's popping off. We have 200% increase in our Reddit community from last week to this week. So thank you so much to everyone who joined our Reddit community. And before we get into this episode of Creator Support, I did want to ask you for two favors. The first one is if you've been enjoying the show, if you could review it, that would be awesome. Reviews really help our show get surfaced. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could review it, that would be great. The second is if you aren't already, subscribe to our newsletter, The Publish Press. We send it every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. And if you're interested in what we talk about here on the show, I definitely think you'll be interested in our newsletter. Those are my two favors. That would be awesome. All right, Colin, what are we going to cover today? Today, we're talking about the balance of creating for yourself versus creating for the algorithm. We're also going to talk about making videos when you're not an expert, dealing with hate comments, and how you transition from making short-form content to making long-form content. We're also going to tell you if you should stay in med school. That's true. Which we are not qualified to answer. So let's get into it. All right, before we get into the questions, let's talk about some things that we've seen on the internet. First up, Emma Chamberlain at the Met Gala. The video of her and Jack Harlow has gone extremely viral. So much so that it was talked about on Jimmy Fallon. Now, if you haven't seen the moment, maybe we should play it. Well, I'll see you in there. Can't wait. Love you. Bye. Love ya. <laughs> now I'm recognizing that we've just played it, but there's a lot of nuance in the expression. That's actually the primary nuance. Jack Harlow says love you to Emma Chamberlain. Emma looks off kind of at the camera, but like makes a face. It's a very ambiguous face. And if you listen to Jack Harlow on Jimmy Fallon, which we'll play right now. Like, what is this? Is that the Harlow effect or what is it? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's just, that's like a piece of art because there's so many ways to interpret that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everyone has a different take on what was going through her head. So I'll leave it up to interpretation. Yeah. But do you leave every interview saying love you? Uh, only if I love them. He actually explains very clearly 
why this video went so viral, which I think is fun to talk about. There is a lot of ambiguity here, and it's up for interpretation. And I think that's actually what makes content spread across the internet. It's not as much about what you put into it, it's about what you leave out, because there's audience interaction here. We can all have differing opinions about what this interaction meant. Similar to when that meme of the dress was going around and Mm -hmm. whether it was black or gold. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That's how things spread online. Social media. Blue or gold. Blue or gold. Okay. And it was definitely gold. Yeah, I thought it was blue. I still see it as blue. But that's what it's all about. It's conversation. You're doing a bit. You're not being I'm not doing a bit. It's blue. Some people saw it as blue. You're you're joking. No. It was gold. It was blue. Okay. I can't tell if you're being serious right now, but carry on. It was blue and black. All I'm saying here is that great content often gives people a reason to talk, especially on social media. That's what it is. It's social. It's conversation. And that's what this moment was. And I think that's why it went so viral. You can't really tell how Emma is feeling when she's reacting to Jack or what Jack's intentions were by saying, love you. I think the the biggest key takeaway is around allowing the audience to be engaged in the content such that they can actually like participate in what it means. Even the conversation we just had about the dress, like that is the conversation you're trying to create uh, when you're trying to make a viral piece of content or when it organically happens like this. One more thing I want to say about this Jack Harlow, Emma Chamberlain moment that happened. I love that on Jimmy Fallon, he didn't say YouTuber Emma Chamberlain or creator Mm -hmm. Emma Chamberlain. This first one is a clip of you getting interviewed at the Met Gala that we were just talking about. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Emma Chamberlain, okay? Is, is interviewing you and watch. It's her just reaction. assumed that everyone knows who she is and she sort of transcended that title. She's post platform. She's post platform. And I love that, that she's just now a mass media sort of entertainer. She's just someone that, of course, you should know. All right. Our first question comes from our Reddit community. Come on. How about that? R slash Colin and Samir. Uh, the question is creating what you want versus what you don't. This comes from you slash DFW Bush says, I found myself making certain videos because I think it's what my audience wants, but I actually want to create story like videos where I can express my life lessons in my own way. I'm taking too long to create the latter and I've stopped creating altogether because of work, life, laziness, and an initially a lack of understanding of what I actually wanted to make. What do you guys enjoy creating and does it conflict or pair with what you think your audience expects? All right, I'm going to start with that question. What do you guys enjoy creating? For me personally, I love making documentary-style content, interviewing tons of people, writing, scripting, super intricate stories. We did that for a period of time, but we couldn't be consistent, and what we were missing out on was the other half of the equation when you're making internet video, which is having an audience and having a community that can be there with you along this journey to help shape the content. So I'm much happier now with our podcast style format on YouTube, although it is a little bit of a compromise. It's not a full on documentary, but it allows us to finally have this conversation every week and build a group of like-minded people who are interested in creators. And that to me is far more exciting than necessarily making the exact type of video I want to make every week. I think to do creator as a career you know, you asked the question, what do you enjoy creating? The most important thing that you have to enjoy creating is a community. That's a huge part of being a creator. So the reality is communities are built through consistency. 
And consistency means consistency in format, consistency in upload time. So you are trying to back yourself into what you can be most consistent at. That's how you grow an audience. Now, at the same time, if you aren't interested in that type of career, you can create in a completely different way. You can just be a fantastic creator. You can work with brands on on creating your style of work. You can, you know, find ways to make things that just interest you. But if you're making stuff that you don't like to make and you're doing that consistently, you're going to end your career really quickly. That's not a great path to sustainability. This is also a lot of why creators start second channels because they find this thing that works, that develops their community, but they have other sides of them and they want to express that. So I do think that you're going to have to figure out how to make exactly what you want. If you do want to make more, you know, lifestyle, life lesson content, just try and find the way to be the most consistent in making that. Maybe that's through making shorts. Maybe it's through making a newsletter. Maybe it's through making podcasts, but find a way to make that on a consistent basis because success in the industry is just getting an opportunity to do more of what you're presently doing. So if you're doing something you don't like to do and that becomes successful, you're not going to like it when it's successful too. Okay, next question comes from Kevin. I'm afraid that because I'm not an expert in my hobby, people might not want to watch my videos. If I'm an amateur, I don't know how to find my tribe or stand out. Can I just have my content be me learning how to do something or do I have to be highly skilled at it already? Uh, no, you do not need to be highly skilled at it. I actually think it's more interesting. There's more tension in you learning how to do something and us following along as you learn that thing than there is if you already know how to do that thing. It's a different style of content. A creator that I would urge you to check out is Mike Shake. He has a video called Learning 24 Skills in 24 Hours. And it's this repetitive cycle of him not knowing how to do something and learning how to do it. And that's more interesting than if he was an expert in something. So I think building in public, the tension of having to figure something out, it's more interesting for creators uh, or, or for any story, actually, to watch like the rise of something than it is to watch once it's already risen. Yeah. So it adds tension for the story when there is imminent failure. That's just, yeah, for sure. naturally, that's going to be a better story. And the then stake also, is failure. That's way more yeah. interesting than if there's no stakes. Now, on top of that, it's way more relatable. I would rather watch someone teach me how to do something who's at the same level as me, or maybe just a little bit better than the best in the world, mm -hmm. because they're coming at it from a totally different perspective, right? Like I want to grow with someone. And so I think, yeah, you're adding tension there because there's failure and you've got that level of relatability. So I think you're in a perfect position to just go for it. Can I ask you a Reddit question? Please. How do you change your username? on Reddit. Can you, or it's like, once it's given to you, you can't. I don't know. I mean, I started my Reddit profile years and years ago. And you have a custom username. I do. So I tried to make mine mm. the joke that I made last week, which was frogman747. Yeah. And I can't, huh. I'm just stuck with this Reddit username. Is it your name? No, it's like over the shoulder 754 or something. Okay. Well, unfortunately, I guess you can't be frogman but why don't you just jump into our Reddit as over the shoulder? Say something. I already have. Oh, you have? I'm in the Reddit. Yeah, I'm deep in the Reddit. I'm saying things. I'm deep in the Reddit. What two, I love Two to platforms that I'm going long on right now, Reddit and LinkedIn. Yeah, me too. Definitely going long on LinkedIn. So if you guys are on LinkedIn, follow both Colin and I. All right, question. I've been posting shorts on YouTube for about three months. My channel has exploded over the past, past few weeks, and now I have over 150,000 subscribers. I'm extremely grateful, however... 
I have a desire to make a pivot to long form content. Have you seen any short form TikTok slash shorts creators successfully and authentically transition to long form content? And what advice do you have to give the influx of creators in my position? Okay. Yes. So this is from Will. And Will, I just want to, to highlight something you just said. The influx of creators in his position. That is so true that over the past two years, we've seen such a rise in creators building their audiences on short form content, whether it's shorts or TikTok. And the natural transition is to graduate into longer form content. Now, the reason for that is because you can build a much deeper relationship, similar to what we were talking about in the um, you know Jack Harlow, Emma Chamberlain situation, where audiences had to be an active participant and actually you know, engage and, and participate in that content, much harder to do that when you're just scrolling short form content. So you want to build to long form content if you want to be in this career. The only way you can successfully do this, in my opinion, is if your short form content is aligned with your long form content. If I watch something short from you and I'm like, ooh, I really like that. I like the value that that, that is giving. I like the entertainment value. I like the educational value. I like the, the, the value prop of this content, if that's aligned with the long form, then I'll like the long form. A great creator who's doing this right now is Isaiah Photo. If you go to his channel, his YouTube channel, he's grown to 5 million subscribers, primarily using shorts, and he has now transitioned to long form content. And his content is getting over a million views of video on long form now too. And let's look at the titles because I think that's where you can tell that the value props are aligned between shorts and long form content. His most recent short is titled, I built a pool in my backyard for $0. So that's him going through this experience of trying to accomplish something in, you know, what looks like 25 seconds here, mm -hmm. go to his long form videos and the titles actually follow a very similar format. I survived the place where elves exist. What the hell is that? Yeah, makes I me wanna, I'm, I'm interested. That one. Yeah. I'm very interested. Yeah, I'm interested in that. So you can see here that if you're interested in him Going through a challenge of how he built a pool for $0, you would also be interested in one of his longer videos where he's going through some sort of challenge, right? Like he made another one here, trading $0 for an iPhone challenge is the mm -hmm. title of the video. Again, also interesting. And if you even look at our channel, we try and do the same type of thing where our short form videos inform you about the creator economy and about creators. And so do the long form videos. I have a question for you. Another question. Okay. Have you looked at your crypto wallet? No, I, I choose not to right now. Unfortunately, I have email alerts coming to me right now about how <laughs> ETH is falling. And it's so unfortunate. And I can't, I need to unsubscribe from those alerts. Do you think these are unprecedented times or precedented times? I would say they're unprecedented times because we had a global pandemic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we're coming Fair. out of it. Yeah. And it's a once in a lifetime event that happened. But- People from the crypto community may call it precedented times who've been in it for a long period of time because they've seen huge roller coaster up and down momentum. Yeah. For the for cryptocurrency. So you know what's really interesting is that Logan Paul this week launched his 99 originals, which is his NFT project where he took 99 photos and each one of those photos is sold as an NFT as an auction every day for 99 days with different benefits. The first three have sold. The first one was a photo of Beeple, who's the you know creator who uh, sold the, the most expensive NFT for $69 million. Uh, the second one was a photo of a, a monkey that was dressed as a bored ape. That sold for $104,000. Uh, 
Uh, there's one of Mike Tyson that sold for $44,000. And now today, Logan has a photo called the April Fool. It's a very cool photo of him in a lake. Listen to the perks of the, of the auction here. The holder, so the buyer, earns 1% royalty of Logan's revenue during the auction phase of the entire 99 Originals collection. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Of the revenue... Generated during the auction phase, so not the that, resales. That he makes. That he makes. From these. Yes. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. That's super interesting. Uh, the holder also receives the physical Polaroid uh, and the NFT, as well as one of 99 membership and voting rights and Originals DAO. Uh, now, the DAO that he's created, which is like the organization that has a treasury, so a percentage of the revenue generated goes into this treasury, and the concept is these 99 people get to decide on what to do with the money. How much money is in that treasury so far? $89,381.33, which is 47 ETH. So that's four days. By the end of this, it's highly likely that's going to be in the millions. And these 99 people get to decide what to do with that millions of dollars. That's an interesting one. I think this one's going to go for the most expensive. 1% royalty on what Logan earns is pretty interesting. This just reminds me of Gary V calling his V friends his personal, personal IPO. IPO. And it's similar here to Logan where as each one of these sells, he's building this treasury of money. Yeah. That he then, you know, these people are sort of entrusting in him and also entrusting in each other because they have the voting rights to decide what to do with the money and what to build. You know, it's fascinating. Similar to when a company IPOs, right? People buy in because mm -hmm. they believe in the future of that company. Yes, for sure. I think, uh, again, it's fascinating that it happened during the week where crypto is kind of at its lowest. And yet it's still, these things are still selling for, for crazy amounts of money. Like you take a step back and you think that someone bought in for $104,000. That's a lot of money to buy a space in a DAO. Yeah. You know, like that's a lot of money. Yeah. So I, if, I don't know. if it, they average 50,000 for 99, that's no joke. So I think my high level takeaway from this is that regardless of where cryptocurrencies go, the technology of crypto and the blockchain is going to be the future of the internet. It's going to be the future of how we actively participate with creators. Okay, I got one more thing to say about this. Okay, and this me. is that his business partner yep. in his his hydration drink, Prime, KSI, lost $2.8 million with the crash of Luna, which frankly, I don't even know what Luna is. I don't know what Luna is, and thank God I don't know what Luna is. Because if, if there was a day where I knew what Luna was, I would probably go all in. I mean, it's- That's a, insane, listen, Samir. That's a lot of money. That's insane. It's a lot of money. Insane. Yeah. That's all I got. I don't know what to say about that because I can't relate. You know, what do you do? What do you do in that situation, KSI? You probably just go forward because you have so much money that that was probably somewhat insignificant. Yeah, but that's insane. That's insane. I don't know what to say about that. All right, question from Kevin Colby. I hear people, even YouTube, say create for people, not the algorithm. Sometimes I find that easier said than done. I'm curious how much you lean into the algorithm or rather let it lead you. Versus produce content you feel you want to and hope people connect with. I'm sorry for the pauses there. That took me a while to read. That's okay. Yeah. You want to try it again? Or? Yeah, I'll try it again. I mean, I'll try. You get the point. You get the point here. Are you creating for people or for the algorithm? And what, how do you do that? So I think it's a, it's a balance, obviously. But the way I internalize it is that, you know, the, the engine 
for our videos and the engine for our company is based in the energy for ideas. If we have a passion and an enthusiasm and a lot of energy for the ideas that we want to get out into wor- into the world, then that has to be the basis as a creator for you. But once you have that, you then want to layer on top knowledge of the algorithm and of data and of analytics to make sure that the same passion and enthusiasm that you have, the message that you're putting in to these videos reaches as many people as possible, right? So I, I think the first box that you want to check is, do you have a natural passion and energy for the stories you're telling? You have to have that. You can't just skip that and go straight to, does this video work for the algorithm? Because there will be no longevity to that career because you don't actually care. I think the uh, the high level is kind of what you just said, that you're creating for both. You're creating for people and the algorithm. You can't create absent of one of them. You just can't. And then you additionally can't create with the third piece, which is kind of what makes up our content market fit pie. What you want to make, what the audience wants, and what the algorithm wants. All three have to be checked on for it to work. Now, I do think you have to kind of really dive into the emotional transformation that your content is creating in the person on the other side. Because at the end of the day, if people aren't emotionally transformed, if they aren't educated, if they aren't inspired, if they aren't moved, if they aren't laughing, if they're something has to happen in the person on the other side of watching for the video to matter. And if the video matters, the person will engage with it, they'll share it, and then that feeds the algorithm. So it does start with the emotional transformation you want to have in the viewer. Question from Daniel. How do you guys or other creators you know deal with hate messages? Mm. This is an interesting one that, frankly, I'm much better at dealing with hate messages now because, like the last question, I feel like I have this inner energy and passion for what we're doing that is much harder to shake with a negative comment here or there because I know where we're going and why we're going the direction that we are. In the early days of us having this channel, because we were so much more unsure about what we were making and why we were making it, when you got a negative comment, it struck a chord because you were like, you had less confidence. You had less confidence in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you play into the haters, right? Of, yeah, maybe they are right because even I don't know. Yeah, I think confidence is a huge part of it. You know, there's some times where if a hate comment is is something that you were thinking or that kind of stings in a way where you were kind of lazy or didn't didn't go 100% at it then it then it kind of hurts um we we had a, a comment yesterday about like how the camera was shaky and it was hard to watch and i i looked back at it and i was like oh yeah i agree with that but it doesn't like hurt in a way of like i feel personally offended i'm like that's good feedback we should we should make sure to yeah. look at our our stuff with a more critical eye and more importantly I just think it's amazing that people take the time out of their day to comment on something, especially if they dislike it. I don't know why that's interesting to me. And it just means that we're reaching outside of the bubble of people who are like, I like these guys. That means we're even getting to a point where there's people who might not know who we are and they have the opportunity to hate us. Maybe that's such a like glossy view of, of all of this, but um, I do think it's really interesting. Yeah, my friend Harish always said to me, if you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. And I think there may be a double negative there that erases what he's trying to say. Well, I think he used to say, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. That's what it was. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make sense. But you guys get that. You guys get it. Yeah. If you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. If you're trying to be popping, find some haters. 
There you go. Is the other way to say it. <laughs> okay. This is a great question from, I'm probably mispronouncing this name, but Yaye, Y-A-H-Y-E. Mm-hmm. And it says, 10 years on YouTube, only 89 subs, time to focus on med school, question mark? Yes. Yeah. I think absolutely 10 years, 89 subs. I don't know how many uploads you've focused on, but I would say clearly something's not clicking there. And sometimes focusing on something else is the best thing that you can do because, you know, in this instance, med school, you may meet people that change your perspective. You may have experiences that you want to then talk about on YouTube. And then there's a community of people that are going to be interested in the experience that you're going in, that you're going through as well. And Ali Abdal, a YouTube creator that we know we've spoken with is a great example. He literally was in med school and started making videos about taking the tests in med school. And then he became a doctor and started making videos about the lifestyle of being a doctor and grew a YouTube channel so large that he ended up stopping being a doctor. Mm -hmm. And now he's just a creator. So there's an exact roadmap there for how like just having a separate career or interest can end up benefiting your career as a creator. And now he's, he's showing kind of the behind the scenes of being a creator entrepreneur and um, what that's like. And I think something that we've been talking about that's going to show up in our upcoming episode is the concept of video as product and video as presentation. So what that means is, you know, a creator like Eric or Ryan Trahan or Mr. Beast, their videos are the product. They're investing in the videos. That is the product, like the craziness of the videos, the ideas, all that. The other side is presentation, which means you are filming something, right? You're like for Ollie, he was filming what it's like to be in med school. So he's in med school and using video to present what that experience is like. And I think that's the opportunity where if you want to go to med school and you want to be a YouTube creator, you just present what it's like to be in med school. And more like moreover, think about audience. When you think about your med school, could you become the top creator for your specific class? Can you create content for them? Because there's probably more than 89 people in that med school and making for a niche allows you to be the number one creator there. What's the quote from Simone Yetch? Yeah, Simone Yetch, who's an amazing creator that we're making an episode on. She says, if you want to be at the top of your field, the easiest way to do that is to choose an extremely small field. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. I mean, we did that with the lacrosse network, right? Like we picked a a smaller community, honed our skills there and have expanded outside of it. Amelia DeMoldenberg, who has her show Chicken Shop Date that we made an episode about, she started profiling uh, rappers from a really niche hip hop community in the UK. And now she's sitting down with Jack Harlow, right? Like she's sitting down with the biggest musicians. So I think it's actually the best and most strategic thing you could do as a creator is to find a very small niche and focus on that first, and then you can expand. So one thing we covered in our newsletter this week in the published press was Patreon's first creator census. One of the highest aspirations for creators was to hire staff. Isn't that interesting? That like, it's really happening that creators are shifting into this media company format where hiring is one of the the top aspirations. Yeah. Hiring staff specifically to run their business. Yeah. And I love that, that there's the distinction between being a creator and running a business. Yeah. I was listening back to our Mr. Beast interview and I didn't realize he said this, but he said, I'm not a businessman. I'm a creator. And I look at him as such an entrepreneur and a business person, but even he himself says like, no, 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 I'm, I'm a creator. He's surrounded himself with people 
that have built huge businesses around him and with him. And he's obviously involved in them, but his core competency is making the best videos possible. And that there's this distinction between the two. And for a lot of creators, as they're growing right now, it's about hiring people strictly for that, not necessarily for like editing or making the videos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just think it's interesting that, you know, when we first started out, being a creator meant having this incredibly high margin business where you just did everything yourself. And, you know, you had brand partnerships, but you were able to film and edit yourself. So like the cost of production was really low. When you look at our costs of our business, they're so significant. And it's because we have a team of six. We have an office. We're moving into a bigger office. Like we are truly operating like a company. And I'm interested to see how these all continue to grow. And the fact that creators have that aspiration, I think means that there's a pretty big open opportunity for people to help creators hire. Just going to put that out there. Yeah. Big opportunity. Now, if you are a creator and you're looking to hire, I would suggest exploring LinkedIn. That is a really good platform that I think creators don't use enough to post jobs, to engage with each other, to look up where people are working, look up freelancers. Mm -hmm. Just want to throw that out there. Now, are we moving in a direction to do more projects with LinkedIn? Yes, we are, Colin. Okay. (laughs) But I... The reason why we're doing that is because I've started to use LinkedIn a lot more and I'm like, I feel like creators in general have been sleeping on this platform. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that later because it's actually really fascinating. Yeah. How LinkedIn, I think is going to play a role in the creator economy, but we'll just say that more on that later, more on that later. For now, connect with us on LinkedIn and Reddit, Reddit. Yes. Yes. I think what's happening in our Reddit right now is very interesting. People are posting their channels, their videos, they're asking for feedback other people are coming in and helping them. I love that, that like our community is assembling there a little bit and starting to help each other. I think if you want to post your video and you want some advice or feedback, my advice would just be get very specific about what you want feedback on. Did we do a Reddit AMA? Sure. Head to our Reddit, r slash Colin and Smear. We got to figure out when we're going to do this AMA. Let's work with the Reddit, our Reddit mod to figure mm. out when to do an AMA. You talking about Sleepy Beans? Sneaky beans, sneaky beans, sneaky beano. Let me, let me confirm. I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up our mod's name. Yeah, what let is me, it? Hold on, spooky beans. Spooky beans. That's the name of the person who started our Reddit community over four years. We ago. We do an episode where we find spooky bean. We try and yeah. yeah I mean, I sent I spent I sent spooky bean a message yesterday. <laughs> has not replied to me yet. So spooky bean, if you're out there, reach out to us. We're All lo- right, we're looking for you. We will see you next week back here on the Colin and Samir show. No gripes this episode. No gripes. You don't have anything. That's the gripe, that there were no gripes. There were no gripes, yep. All right. See you next week. (laughs) 